Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Good morning. So, thank you for that. It, it, it truly is a uh, wonderful privilege to be here. And uh, i got to be honest, though. You'll, uh, I think you probably prefer me to be honest. Is that right? Um, so, Thursday morning, I'm uh, riding to work. I, I still own my motorcycle, and I was riding to work, and I was overlooking the valley that, that is home. Missoula is actually... Uh, makes up, there's five valleys, five mountain valleys that converge into where, where uh, Missoula, uh, the city of Missoula. And I was, I was just riding and just admiring everything. And, uh, you know, we had 10 wonderful years here, right? 10 wonderful years my family and I had in this church. But I miss Missoula. And I missed it before I left. And God did that. God did that. I mean, truth be told, people, it's wonderful to be here, but I don't miss you guys. <laughs> I always feel guilty when someone, you know, sends me a text, hey, I, I miss you. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but, but God gave me a burden. And my wife. And we are so grateful for this church's response out of obedience and sending us to Missoula. You, can I tell you some stories? You want to hear some, some stories? Um, so we started meeting not long after we moved. God just put some people in our lives very, very soon. And it was, it was such an obvious uh, uh, work of God, how, how it all played out. I'd love to tell you a story someday because there's so many of them. When, when you obey God, he shows up, people. You, you have to understand that. It is not scary to obey God. It's scarier not to. So we obeyed God, and, and he just put people in our lives. We started meeting people that, that wanted to be a part of something new. And so we literally started meeting in November. We moved there in, in July, started meeting in November in our home. And not long after that, a couple weeks into that, one, one family, a, a son and her, uh, or a, a mother and her son said, we want to be baptized. And so we had our first baptism just about a month later. It was amazing, and, and we've baptized three more people since then. We started meeting just over a month ago with our public lunch, April 4th, and there's a picture that's going to show up here. This is our core team and some friends that joined us from out of town. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And I can't wait to get back to them. But we have some work to do today. We have some work to do today. April 4th, our very first public Sunday, we had 55 people that joined us uh, for service that day, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing, and God is still doing some amazing things. Last weekend alone, we had six new guests showed up, and uh, it just happens. It just happens over and over again. Um, it's, it's not with, it, it requires work, people, okay? Um, but the work is so worth it. I just want to tell you, the work is so worth it. So let's jump in. I want to begin with, with a question, but before I ask that question, I, I want to quote to you a verse out of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, in fact, you can just write in your notes or if you're taking notes on your device, 1 John 4.18 is a powerful verse, and I don't know that we truly understand the power of this verse. It simply says, perfect Love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out what? Fear. fear. 
So here's my question for you. What are you afraid of? Let that sit for a moment. Now I ask that question because almost three years ago, I'm standing right there on, on the opposite side, on the floor, and I'm telling Keith about how I believe God is calling Steen and I to move to Missoula to plant a church. And I made this statement. It was a Saturday night. I made this statement, but I'm afraid. And that's when Pastor Keith asked a fantastic question. What are you afraid of? It was a defining moment where I had to stare down a fear of mine. So when was the last time, church, you looked at one of your fears and you didn't run from it, you ran toward it? You see, that's how you conquer fears in your life and it requires faith and courage. Faith and courage. So let me ask the question again, what are you afraid of? But I want you to go deeper than shallow fears. You know, shallow fears like snakes and spiders, you know, the dark, Iowa drivers. <laughs> will, will the Vikings ever win a Super Bowl? That, that might actually be a real fear. Um, but uh, let's go deeper than that. I, I'm not sorry. I, I really am not. But let's... let's Let's go to some very real fears that every one of us can, can identify with. How about the fear of catching a fatal disease? It's very real. What about the fear of failure? What about the fear of rejection? What about the fear of looking foolish in front of others? What about the fear of loneliness? Am I hitting home to anyone right now? What are you afraid of? Mark Batterson describes faith as the willingness, don't miss this, the willingness to look foolish. I think he's on to something. Back in Missoula, we just finished a series called Insane Courage, where we looked at how God desires for us to be people of courage. The Bible is full of stories of men and women of great faith, people with insane courage who took great risks. They looked at risks and they considered that it was worth the reward. Their stories, as you know, are legendary. And as I'm saying that, you probably are thinking of people in your own heart, in your own mind, that you've looked up to, you've respected men and women in the scriptures who did something that required great risk. You're probably familiar with the concept risk versus reward, right? You understand what that means? It's where you examine something that requires risk, and if the reward is worth it, then the risk is worth taking. The reward outweighs the risk. We've all made decisions based on risk versus reward. For example, you know how to ride a bike? probably all of us do, right? You examined that the risk of skinning your knees and bruising your ego was worth putting your feet on the pedal. And eventually, you rode a bike. I still remember the day I first rode a bike. What a feeling. Risk versus reward. Remember your first kiss? 
<laughs> Someone's being honest up here. No is the answer. <laughs> that, re- that reward was worth the risk for me. And in all places, it was at a summer church camp for me. Absolutely true. Summer church camp. Remember this risk? That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Huge risk. And history is made as man walks on the moon. But what if a risk, church, what if a risk in fall involves a great fear? And what if that risk is one that you believe God is inviting you to take? Which brings me back to my conversation with Pastor Keith. How vulnerable will you be? Can you be honest with yourself this morning and just identify? Yeah, this is something that I fear. See, three years ago, I, I identified that and I clearly communicated that to Pastor Keith, which in that moment began to diffuse the fear. Do you see that, church? In that moment of confession, God began to do something even greater in my own heart. And you saw the picture. What would have happened if we said yes to fears and no to God? Room wouldn't exist. The Bible, as I said, is full of risk versus reward stories. And we're going to read one of my favorite this morning. I would like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. <clears throat> you see, for us to be people of courage, and not just any courage, but insane courage, we must learn to put our lives in the hands of our Heavenly Father. We must learn to surrender ourselves to him, to have the kind of courage that trusts God no matter what he is asking us to do. He deserves our complete trust in every moment of our lives, but especially, church, listen to this, but especially in those moments when following him seems irrational. So let's read our story. Matthew 14 beginning with verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. I love this story. This is an amazing story. 
There are many lessons we could take away from this. We're going to look at four, four lessons this morning. And the first is that God allows storms to happen. God allows storms to happen. Did you catch how the story began? Did you notice that the story begins with Jesus insisting? He's telling the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Acknowledge with me that the disciples are in the situation because they obeyed Jesus. Can you acknowledge that with me? It's powerful for us to understand that. It's powerful for us to identify that. Because, you see, it's important for us to see that Jesus knew what he was getting his disciples into. He sent them into a storm, church. He sent them into a, sto- into a storm. Following Jesus does not keep the storms away. It does, however, mean that we don't face storms alone. Now, isn't that good news? Come on. That is wonderful news. God has made it clear multiple times in the Bible that he will never, never leave us. So while storms happen, church, we never face them alone. He is with us always. Will you say the word always? Always. That's when God is with you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Why don't we act like that more? Come on, church. Why don't we have a little bit of Christian swagger? I just wonder. The creator of all the universe has made an incredible, phenomenal promise that I will be with you wherever you go. Yet we sure are afraid of some really bizarre things. Today, I want to encourage you to start looking at difficult moments in your life in a new way. Not all storms can be avoided, and it might be God that is actually creating the one that you are in right now at this very moment. He may have created it, the tough spot you are in, that crisis that you are facing, the one you've been asking God to take away, right? Come on. Because that's what we do. The moment it starts, we start feeling pressure, we want God to take us out of the pressure. And sometimes he answers those prayers, sometimes he doesn't. But I want to encourage you with this new prayer to pray during storms. Pray that God will make you brave. That'd be a good prayer. Make me brave. Give me courage. Increase my faith. Pray that you will learn how to become a person of great courage. In fact, can we just pray that right now? Let's just bow our heads. God, I thank you for the people in this room. There are people in this room who have great courage. I've seen it, I've witnessed it. But it's not enough. Sioux Falls and the communities around this area need people who follow after you to be brave no matter what circumstances are happening in their life. No matter what storms they might be facing, if we only had the courage to to understand that you are with us, So God, help us to be brave. Give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen. This brings me to the second lesson. You see, while storms happen, our faith in Jesus Christ requires that we trust him. That's the second lesson. Faith trusts. So church, storms happen, but faith trusts. Can you say those two phrases? Storms happen, Faith, trust. I want to share with you one of my favorite stories. I have no idea if it's true, but let's just believe that it is. All right? <clears throat> the story is about a, a man who's been at the bar all night long. And the bar is closing. It's been raining all night. It's incredibly dark. And it's time for him to go home. 
And so he decides to walk home. However, he decides to take a shortcut through a cemetery. Unfortunately, as he's walking through this cemetery, he comes across an open grave, but he doesn't see it. He falls in it. Now, as you can imagine, with the rain hitting that dirt, this, the sides of this, of this cemetery become quite slippery. And so he tries. He tries really hard. But there's no way in the world that he can climb out of this grave. And so he sits back, back up against the wall, and he just decides to stay there for the rest of the night. A second man leaves the same bar. Yeah, you know where this is going, don't you? And as he's deciding to take that same shortcut, sure enough, believe it or not, he comes up to that same open grave and he falls in it. And just like the first guy, he's trying with all of his might to get out, but it's even slipperier than before. And after a few minutes, he just kind of stands back and he's looking at it and he goes, there's no way in the world I'm going to get out of this grave. Well, the first guy stood up and put his hand on the shoulder and he said, that's all right, I'm in here with you. (laughs) The second guy got out of the grave. (laughs) Now here's the lesson, church, because there is one. When you have the right person with you, there's nothing you cannot do. Grab a hold of that truth. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the right person with you all of the time, which is why we should have a faith that trusts no matter what is going on in our life. Is that you, church? We are called to trust Jesus. I'm going to take a turn here. How many here in the room work out? You at least work out in a gym three times a week. Come on. I know you do, brother. You know that there's only one way to increase your muscles, to get stronger. You stress them out, right? Is that fair? You stress them out with weights and exercise, and in doing so, you get stronger. Trusting God is easy in good times, church. It's easy. I would probably say it doesn't require much faith. But in those difficult moments when the storms are raging, God is putting our faith muscles, church, under stress. When we're in, those, in the middle of those difficult moments of life, And when we trust, you know what happens? Our faith muscle grows. Your faith doesn't grow when times are easy. It can't happen. It cannot happen. Your faith grows. Excuse my drawing, by the way, because I am an awful drawer. Thank you. (laughs) Our faith grows when we listen to Jesus and get out of the boat and we face our fears in life of loneliness and rejection, failure, and we keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep walking towards him, even over our fears. It's when our faith grows. And when your faith grows, you know what God is doing? He's developing you for something greater. You've been created for far more than you experience right now. And that is true for every person in this room. No one is outside that equation. God has created us for something greater. But wait, there's more. Feel like that commercial on, on in the evenings, right? You see, just as storms happen, and just as faith, trust, courage, the, in, the kind of insane courage that shows off our God causes us to climb over the edge of the boat and walk 
to Jesus. Because just as storms happen and faith trusts, courage walks, church. Courage walks. Courage follows Jesus. Courage does not fear the wind and the waves because our God who never breaks a promise tells us, promises us that he is with us. That'd be a great place for an amen. You can have that attitude that no matter what storm you're facing, no matter what difficult moment you are in, you can cry out this way. You just go ahead and hit me with your best shot because I have the heavenly father on my side. You are severely underpowered. Why don't we talk that way? Why don't we look our fears in the face and actually run towards them, acknowledging that no matter what I am fearing on the inside, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why don't we act that way, church? And so today, I want to invite you to play poker with Jesus, all right? which would be a bad idea, by the way, all right? That, that's, you're not, no one's going to win that hand, right? No one. No one's going to win that. But, but we're going to play poker with Jesus. And it's okay, all right? Um, I believe this is okay. You see, I believe that we actually do this every day, believe it or not. Most times without even knowing it. Like Peter, we listen to Jesus and we get out of the boat and we walk towards him. We take a step of faith, a step of courage. You did that this morning by coming to church, by the way. It was a small step, but it was a step nonetheless. But Jesus desires for our steps to become even more significant, more risky, if you will. And church, the greater the risk, the greater the Come on, you got it. Absolutely right. You see, Peter's step of leaving the boat that night, it was, it was a risk, no doubt, without question. And we like to celebrate risks, don't we? Don't we do that? We celebrate risks. We love to read stories of men and women who took risks and they experienced the rewards. We love to tell our stories of those daring adventures. But today I'd like us to consider that Jesus is interested in us doing more than simply walking on water. He desires for us to stay in the water with him, church. This is a part of the story that I wish took place. You see, it's not just a step of courage, but it's trusting on a whole new level. Let me explain. We identified this at the beginning of the message, but our, I want to remind you how the disciples got in the situation. Do you remember? They obeyed. They listened to Jesus. Jesus told his disciples to get in a boat. And with that in mind, I just want to ask this question. Do you remember what Peter's profession was? He's a fisherman. He knew boats. And why do I bring that up? You see, I think it's important and incredibly relative for us today. You see, the boat, not only for Peter, but for you and I, represents our identity. And Peter was a fisherman. Why is that important? We're going we're gonna to go down this road here for a moment. Not only does it represent his identity, but let's unpack who, who, what does is, what is his identity really mean? What, what does that mean for us? Peter learned fishing, do you know from who? His father. In first century, it was very, very common for young boys to learn the family trade. So we know that Peter learned how to fish from his father. And when Peter fished, guess what he did? 
He made money. So Peter actually liked being in the boat, right? The more he was in the boat, the more income he had for his family. That boat also was his future. That's part of his identity. He knew or at least planned on being a fisherman for the rest of his life until he met Jesus. He also had friends who were fishermen. Eleven friends in the boat, some of them fishermen. That boat, church, don't miss this. This is an important lesson for us. That boat was tied to his identity. He was safe and he was comfortable in the boat. Are you safe and comfortable, church? It's not always a good thing. In the moment Jesus called him out of the boat and he starts walking on water, facing some incredible fears, Peter was experiencing a moment that will challenge him as a disciple, that will challenge him as a man. We're going to learn some things about Peter this morning. You see, and I hope that we learn some things about ourselves, because like Peter, church, you and I have a boat. You and I have an identity. You and I have securities that are attached to that identity. Yeah, this is where the preacher starts preaching. And the Holy Spirit does his work. Have you ever watched poker tournaments? <laughs> I, I used to watch them. Uh, I love watching. Uh, I love poker. I, well, not so much poker, but I love strategy. I, I love uh, math. And, and believe it or not, if, if you've ever watched Texas Hold'em, anyone ever watched Texas Hold'em? I'm not going to embarrass anybody and ask you if you've played it, okay? Um, but if you've ever watched Texas Hold'em tournaments on TV, there is unbelievable strategy. I love the, the commentary that happens on, uh, during those tournaments. You know, you have the guy who really knows everything, and he's, you know, he's talking about what each person has in their hand. And then, have you ever seen the statistics, right? The statistical advantage that each player has over the others. You know what I'm talking about? You tracking with me here? Okay, if you've never seen it, if I'm the only pagan in the room, it happens, all right? The, the percentages show up there kind of over their heads or whatever, and, and you kind of know who has the best hand. And then there comes that moment when one of the players realizes that the risk is worth the reward, church. The risk is worth the reward, and he does something just crazy, and he says, I'm going all in, right? I'm going all in. And in that moment, the other players need to either follow suit or fold. And they examine what's in their hand and they determine whether their hand is worth staying in the game or not. But it's a defining moment in the game. Are you going to go all in or are you going to fold? Church, all in is a big deal. And I'm not talking about poker anymore. You see, the rest of our lives, church, the rest of our lives, the moment you decide to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, for the rest of your lives, he's going to question whether you're all in with him or not. We take that step of courage. By the way, can you imagine what that first step out of the boat must have, how awkward that would have been? I mean, have you ever got out of a boat next to a dock? That's kind of awkward, 
there wasn't any dock. I mean, I just, I think it would have been kind of funny to watch Peter getting out of that boat that day. I mean, I mean, did he just kind of place his foot there, you know, do a little dance before he actually jumped in? Who knows? But uh, I'm sorry, I think of weird things at the, at the wrong times, and that was a wrong time. But uh, just, just play with it. But church, listen, the rest of our lives are the, these moments where Jesus puts us in situations, and he's asking us the question, are you going all in or not? Peter, he jumped ship. He walked on water. Imagine that for a moment. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. This is amazing. He's all in. But is he? Is he really all in? You see, unfortunately, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. And he notices the danger that he's in. He notices the fears. And it must have been an incredible storm for a fisherman to have been afraid. And so rather than trusting and staying in the water with Jesus, he falls back on what he knows. And in that moment, Peter would rather be in the boat than in the middle of a storm, walking on the water with Jesus. And so Peter really wasn't all in. By the way, when you keep your hands on the chips, when you go all in and you can pull them back in, you've really not given up control. It's interesting that this won't be the last time Peter will struggle with his identity and his future and being all in with Jesus. If you know your Bible, you know that in John chapter 21, we have the recording of the last known conversation between Peter and Jesus. Peter had spent the night fishing. Remember how many fish he caught? Zero. That's right. And then this guy, who they don't yet know as Jesus, calls out from the shore, friends, have you any fish? What an awful question when you've spent all night fishing and you don't have anything to show for it. Awful question. He tells them, we've caught nothing. And then Jesus makes another command. Tells them to throw the net over on the right side of the boat. What a strange idea. I wonder how many times they threw it over both sides of the boat, but in this moment, Jesus is telling them, throw it over on the right side. I wonder if there was a sarcastic response. Let's just do it one more time so we can end this miserable experience. But they obey, and you know the story. They couldn't pull the net in. It was another miracle on a lake with a boat near Jesus. And once again, church, Peter jumps ship. You know the story? He gets out of the boat and he rushes to the shore because he knows who is there waiting for him. He goes all in. When was the last time you went all in with Jesus? When was that last moment when you obeyed, and it was, a, it was a risky thing Jesus was asking you to do, but you went all in, and you literally took your hands off, and you followed. When was the last time you did that, and he revealed something in your life, something that was tied to your identity, just like Peter, that was tied to your security, your financial future, and your response to Jesus was, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm all in. I want to tell you a story. Story happened last October. September. So uh, let, let me let me share this before I, I share the rest of the story. Um, we had zero people in church when we moved to Missoula, so I had to find a job. Right? Needed a job, and I started selling cars. God's been so good to our family. 
I, I did it because I knew it'd be a great way to meet people. And the very first people that joined our church, I met selling cars. Last October, in September, I had just experienced the most uh, financial blessing selling cars. Okay, I'm not going to tell you how much because how much doesn't matter. But my wife and I were the most financially secure we had ever been in our entire lives. Church, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Because God's about to cause a storm. I go to work on a Thursday. Do you remember why I moved to Missoula? Plant a church. I didn't move there to sell cars. Went to work on a Thursday. And one of the assistant managers was in charge for the rest of that week. The, the uh, sales manager was out of town. And he called me into his office and he said, uh, Carmen, we have not sold enough cars this month. I need you to work on Sunday. What would your response be, church? You don't need to say it out loud. I'd, actually, I'd rather you not, actually. Keep in mind, financially secure, experiencing in my mind the blessings of God. And now I'm being called to do something that goes against the very purpose that God sent me to Missoula. What would you do? Would it be a struggle? Here's what I did. I said, well, I guess today is my last day. And I went to my office and I started cleaning up my stuff. And he goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I said, I cannot work on Sunday. And if that's what you're asking me to do, then I'm done here. I got in my truck. Stina knows nothing about this yet, church. I get in my truck and I call her on the phone and I play the conversation with my wife. And she goes, so you quit, right? <laughs> I thank God for that gift. Amen. It wasn't a hard conversation. It was very easy. Because when you're united in purpose with your spouse, you can take on the world as long as God is in it. In that moment... In that office, in that car dealership, I made it very clear, I'm all in with God. This is just a place that pays me some money. I can get another job. I didn't even have to pray about that one, church, because I had already many times. It was clear in my heart, this is why we are here. God will Take care of you. You have nothing to be afraid of, church. Perfect love, God's love, casts out all fear. And I just wonder, <coughs> I just wonder, church, how many times in our relationship with God we do this, we pull him back, and then we read a certain, we're part of a message or read a book or read a passage of scripture, and we go all in with God again. We're like, we're all in, Jesus. The moment we first become a Christian, right? And we're like, oh, I know I need to read the Bible. I'm all in with you, Jesus. And, and then Monday morning happens and the bed is very comfortable. We pull the chips back. And then we realize what we're missing out. And so we're, I'm all in with you, Jesus. Notice where my hands are. Who's got control of the chips? It's not God. And we play this game with God all the time going in and back out and in and back out. You know what I'm talking about, church. You've been there just like I have been as well. But then there's that moment where, where you know in your heart, I'm ready, I'm convinced, I want to experience everything that God has for me. And we go all in and we walk away from it and we're like, there, I'm all in with you, Jesus. And Jesus says something like this to me. Well, I, that's nice. I really appreciate that, Carmen. I appreciate your faith and trust in me. But you're really not all in. 
You're right, Jesus. Holding on to my future. I've not prayed enough and been in conversations with you enough about my future. I'm pursuing my dreams and not yours. I'm pursuing my purposes and not yours. And so, you're right, Jesus. Thank you. I'm all in. Jesus, he's such a gentle savior. Thank you, Carmen. I really appreciate that. But you're really not all in. You're still holding on to a chip. You're right. I make decisions about my friends and who I allow into my life without asking you. I allow other people to influence me that don't have the same desires, don't have the same following and surrender to you that I want in my life. You're right, God. I surrender my friends to you. Jesus, that's good, Carmen. I appreciate that. But you're still holding on to another chip. You're still holding on to your finances. And I'm like, Lord, I've been tithing since I've been a young child. Listen, church. If we think tithing is all that the Lord owns, we don't understand. If we think tithing is a big deal, I will say to you, church, it's child's play. When we no longer make decisions about our finances and we allow God to control them, all of them, not just what we return to the church and ultimately to him, but when we go all in with him and we start asking him for permission to pursue things that cost money, that, that spend the resources that he has provided with us. When we start asking him for wisdom, for him for guidance on those things, come on church, I know this is a big deal for us. It's a big deal because we live in North America. If we think 10% is all that the Lord owns, you've been fooling yourself. And you're not all in with him. And the fact is, Every one of us, church, every one of us, church, have multiple chips in our lives. And the rest of our lives, the rest of our lives are Jesus coming alongside while we're in the middle with the water and we're looking back to our identity because it's more safe and secure there. And he says, no, don't pay attention to the boat. Pay attention to me. Look at me because the blessings are in the water, not back in the boat. The blessings are in the water when we're holding on to the hand of Jesus and he's saying, no matter what is happening in the world around you, trust me, stand beside me. Don't worry about what's happening in the boat. That is no longer your identity. Your identity, church. It's time for us to reclaim our identity. We have been created in the image of God. And what God wants us to do and experience when we're experiencing these fears and we're taking bold steps of faith is to understand, I need to get the right marker here, to understand that we have this new identity that we can only find, church, we can only find when we take a hold of Jesus. And we go all in every moment of every day. And when he exposes new things in our lives, we say, you're right. I want to obey. I want to be obedient. I want to get out of this boat. In fact, I want to never go in the boat again. Let's just walk to the other side instead of taking a boat to it. That's what grieves my heart, church. Because if you're like me, how many times have we said, I want to be like Peter. I want to walk on the water. I want to get on the boat. Anyone else with me? Can I tell you something? I've read the book that says if you want to get out of the boat, you got to walk on water. It's not entirely true. Because Jesus never got in a boat that day. 
I don't want to be like Peter. I want to be like Jesus. That's the one I want to follow. That's the one I want to experience. That's the one I want to hold on to. Because he went all in for me. He went all in for me. He deserves nothing less from us, church. If you're on your way to heaven, if your place is secure, don't play around with the silly boat. Follow Jesus. The reason there's 55 people on April 4th is because we got out of a boat and there's no regrets, church. There's no regrets. I fear for those of you in this room who never experience what it means to follow after Jesus with all your heart. Don't let that be you. Father, you've been wrecking my life. You help me see things about myself that I hold on to way too tightly. And if nobody's life has been changed in Missoula, mine has. And it's why I get in the vehicle today, later, and I get in and I drive back home. Because I want more people in Missoula to experience what I've experienced with you. There is nothing like going all in with Jesus. Help us to be people who hold nothing back. We surrender our lives to you because surrender stays in the water. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.